Hello and welcome to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Brett H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. What's going on, Lockdown MLB fans? We have just wrapped up, I guess maybe not just, but just a couple couple minutes after the long-gone summer finished up on ESPN, the 30 for 30 documentary outlining the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa home run race. Here on the Lockdown Network, we've got a panel of our Lockdown MLB hosts joining me. Here is Brett Canty with the Lockdown Astros. We've got Gabriel Starr with the Lockdown Reds and Javier Reyes with the Lockdown Padres. Guys, thanks for – and Gabriel, girls – Thanks for being on the show. I appreciate you guys uh, <laughs> obviously taking the time to do all this. Um, so this documentary, obviously kind of a, a decent amount of hype to follow the Jordan doc. This was kind of an interesting one to kind of go up with it, but uh, kind of 98 season, still very much 90s nostalgia. 90s babies love this mm-hmm. uh, doc, I'm sure. But it was just kind of very much Mark McGuire. He was definitely the Jordan of this documentary. And I think we might have the biggest Mark McGuire fan on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you for that. Um, I, I'm honored. It's, it's taken me 44 and a half years to get to this point in my life. Yeah. And um, as you see behind me, I've got my Mark McGuire autographed Jersey that I actually got signed at the game that I have the ticket to the Astrodome that I saw That's his insane. 32nd home run, which was to be known as the 11th upper deck home run in Astrodome history. And I'll just tell you about that real quick about that season. It was insane. Like you had to get to the game three hours before the dome sat 40 something, 50 something thousand people. And there were 25,000 people in the Astrodome when he would bunt to begin his BP the entire stadium would boo him. And <laughs> I remember he actually had his jock straps stolen in Houston, one that he had since USC days. <laughs> and he was pretty upset about it. Um, another interesting mm-hmm. fact is I remember watching an interview with our local guy, Bob Allen. He passed away not too long ago, but behind him was the, was a bottle of Androstein in his locker. And I remember seeing the Andro because that was kind of, you know, people had kind of started talking about it or there wasn't really a whole lot of buzz about it. But that was interesting looking back on it now that that wasn't an issue. But for me as a Mark McGuire fan, I grew up, you know, I grew up watching the Astros, big Astros fan, but Mark McGuire for me became my favorite player. I, I heard about him with USC in the Olympics when I was young, kind of followed him. And then when he moved to the National League, now I could watch him. Because before that, my dad would take my take me to Ranger Stadium to watch an Oakland A series, you know, to watch Mark McGuire um, play baseball and the Bass Brothers. I was a big fan of, and so Mark McGuire's long been my favorite player. Will always be my favorite player, and so watching this for me brought back a ton, a ton of memories. I'm not a '90s baby, yeah. a '70s <laughs> baby, so I'm a little bit older. But for me. It was like everything that they talked about with Sosa McGuire was like that encapsulated their, I mean, they had a friendship, but they didn't have a friendship until June or July because McGuire clearly didn't know who he was until that point. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> I, uh, that was the the insane part to me. Cause like, it's not like Sammy Sosa, like was a nobody before 98. Like the dude was like a five war plus guy for three, four seasons, all-star 95. Like he was really good. Um, it just kind of obviously the entire nation figured out who Sammy Sosa was after June. So, but uh, Gabriel, I know you were talking about before we start kicked off uh, with the show, you were saying you had a uh, growing up with a Sammy Sosa Jersey and it was probably like one of the few Red Sox things or non Red Sox things you had. It sounded like growing up. What was, uh, what was it like going back and kind of watching this? Well, it was, I mean, I grew up basically watching Red Sox games. And so for me, you know, I would see the occasional Sosa or McGuire clip like on, you know, news. My dad would have, ESPN or whatever on the TV, but we also weren't a big TV family. So it was like sports maybe, but other than that, you know, PBS or read a book. Um, but it, like you said, I had the shirt. And so I knew that he was one of the best players in baseball. And, you know, it's kind of interesting because what like McGuire and Sosa did was they became people's favorite players who weren't even fans of their teams. And it shows you like how huge baseball was in the nineties that you would go to see a Rangers 
A's game when you were an yeah. Astros fan just to see McGuire come to your state to play baseball. And like that kind of stuff is, or, you know, Michael Jordan who played for the White Sox minor leaguers and he's in the documentary for a hot second watching yeah. Sammy Sosa play baseball at Wrigley. And that's what baseball used to be like. And, you know, given the current situation, it was kind of a, it was very bittersweet to see that and hear them talking about like for McGuire in 98, fans were coming from around the world to watch Mark McGuire to see if he was going to break Roger Maris's record. And now it's like people just don't even go to baseball games. Right in America, like if it's right down the street from their house and people were coming from all over the world and there was all this security and it was the focus of sports. And I wish we still had that. Like, you know, that's what it seemed like to me as a kid. And now I'm an adult and it's just, it like bummed me out a lot. Like that whole aspect of the documentary was, I saw you, um, I, I saw you tweet like during the documentary saying something like Mike Trout could hit 70 home runs and people still might not know who that guy is. And like, yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like I, I read that tweet out loud to my girlfriend and she's like, who's Mike Trout? Like, and I thought she was kidding. Not even that, that MLB. (laughs) Not even that, but Mike Trout, I think what my exact tweet was Mike Trout could hit 70 home runs and MLB would be like, we still don't know what to do with this guy. From right. a marketing standpoint. <laughs> Just brutal. And I mean, it took me moving to LA and going to see Mike Trout play at Angel Stadium for me to fully appreciate Mike Trout because like on the, being on the East Coast, you're kind of like, all right, this Mike Trout, his numbers are really good. But the Angels and the Sox play each other twice a season. And, you know, like MLB is just not like MLB's biggest thing is, oh, this is Mike Trout. When he's not playing baseball, he likes weather. <laughs> and they're like, and that's like all they say about him. And you're just kind of like, really? He's the best player in baseball. And that's all you can figure out. Like, it should be enough that he just purely loves the game of baseball. Right. That should be your marketing ploy. But the people who market don't love it enough to understand how to do that. So, yeah, it's you know. definitely <laughs> it's definitely disappointing to see the young stars in this team or in the league now get the get the recognition they could easily get with the reach MLB has. But with this documentary for years, right? Exactly, super marketable. They need to get guys more mic'd up, and we saw that actually in some of the home run derby stuff they were showing before the uh, thirty for thirty a little bit, which was cool. But uh, Javi, obviously, this documentary was really interesting to see these two guys going at it. What was your takeaway being a guy in the West Coast a little bit? Um, so it's funny because, you know, the lockdown, one of the inside jokes, I think, in the lockdown community <laughs> is that I'm about five years old, uh, just based <laughs> comparatively speaking to everybody else. So it's I really fun, eight. actually. Eight, well, it's close <laughs> enough, right? Um, it's funny because, you know, I, I grew up, I'm still on the East Coast the right Raphael now. Devers um, of the Raphael Devers of the yeah, yeah, like, There you oh go. My gosh. There it is. There's the Red Sox. <laughs> um, I, um, it's funny because my dad being like a huge Yankees fan and one of my best friends being a huge Padres fan, which is kind of how I got into the team a few years ago. It's funny that like my dad, my dad is so funny with, with baseball and his love for the Yankees. Like, Hey, did you hear about this one thing? It'll be the most obvious thing that happened like three months ago. Like he doesn't, (laughs) he doesn't know about, and it's, and it's about the Yankees, right? There's something about how baseball has become a lot more localized of sport while other leagues People know who, like, the fifth... Hi, this is Eric from Locked On Astros. It's the best time of the day. You're sitting in your favorite chair, about to watch your favorite team, and you're drinking your favorite beverage. Then you hear, Hey, honey, don't forget to go to the store. I'll see you after Zumba. Slam. You forgot to go to the store again. You can't waste the beer you just opened. What do you do? Postmates. That's what you do. Pull out the Postmates app, select everything on your shopping list, and Postmates will deliver it to you. So you can just watch that game, just Postmate it. A little later in the game, you're all proud of yourself for getting your order delivered, then you realize that you ran out of beer. You've had a few too many, just Postmate it. No more trips to the store. For a limited time, Postmates is giving Locked On listeners $100 of free delivery credit for your first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code locked on that's locked on for a hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days when you download the postmates app anything you need anytime you need it postmate it download postmates and save with the code locked on best small forward in basketball is you know what i mean like people don't know who the best player in baseball is and even my friend who's a, a really big uh padres fan he's like 
oh yeah yeah how are they doing uh yeah is, is machado still doing good oh cool 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 and i'm like how do i know more about this team than you now this is crazy right. like there's this there's this almost need in baseball to stay up because media and just the hype isn't really there as much as it used to be and i think that that's kind of the the biggest standout about the documentary i would say um you know i feel like ever since the jordan doc the last dance ever since that came out um i feel like one of the con- the conversations that spawned from that was like all right who else could get a documentary like this right and for me one of my favorite sub conversations that came from that is is there even someone in baseball that that could really work for because nobody really cares about a lot of people in baseball in that grand type of way you know some people say jeter i know gabriel was making fun on twitter about the whole core four thing if they did that for the yankees which you know even me got my yankees roots i don't think that that's nearly as interesting right i actually believe it or not my my take my take everybody i actually think a rod i actually think a rod in a fall from grace like five-part documentary is actually the the one guy i could think of that could be interesting or like a 30 for 30 but you don't need yeah. like a 10 part about the yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. the yankees I, are not the jordan of, yeah the baseball I think, because um liked yeah i think the only 10-part documentary athletes we have are like ali um obviously you know no longer with us and jordan and then maybe some other person I'm forgetting about right now that I just can't think of. The only guy um, I could think of, like baseball wise, who who would be really interesting in a doc would, would definitely be Ken Griffey Jr. I think mm. at this point, it, I think it was kind of crazy that we didn't get we haven't that hasn't been a doc yet. That seems just kind of like a really obvious one. But uh, I think a Bonds you know, would be too if we're venturing sure. into oh, yeah. performance enhancing oh, yeah. drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, yeah. I you know I almost forgot, but you know, Ken Griffey Jr. being a part of that home run chase he wasn't really talked about a whole lot. I mean, he was in third place. I mean, he was right there with them. And, you know, he just really, because I was sitting there going, like, I literally was like, I completely forgot he was neck and neck with these guys. Like, I forgot it was like him and McGuire because once, I mean, once Sosa hit those 20 home runs in June, it was like everybody else, it's like you got these two runners and the rest of the pack is behind them. And what I like, what the documentary covered with Sosa was his charisma and yeah. the way that he was able to draw people in. I mean, I remember him running out on the field, sprinting out on the field. Yeah. Um, you know, I saw him play that year too in the Astrodome and, and just getting to see him play. It was like, you, you knew he was a good player, but you're like, wow, like, it brought out the best of them. One of the interesting things I ask you all about this, they asked Mark McGuire at the end, do you think you would have gotten to 70 if you hadn't had Sammy Sosa chasing you? And he said, that's mm-hmm. a really good question. I don't know. And, and I think they pushed each other and, and that's what, that's what made it so great. And really baseball mm-hmm. needs another home run chase baseball. Maybe we yeah. need to introduce PEDs into the game again. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, we need something because the game's popularity is waning right now. It is just, it's crazy. I you did know? suggest that earlier. I was like, well, if you just let, like, give everyone the option to use them. And I mean, why not? because they're not they're not, it's not like they really enforce anything anyway. Like, you know, Bauer said the whole thing about pine. You, you got to make up your mind. You're either going to be strict enforcers or you're not. Same thing with like the sign stealing. Like mm. you're either going to crack down on sign stealing across the league or like you're going to scapegoat two teams and then pretend that the issue's gone when it was like clearly stated by American League executives that tons of American League teams were doing it. You yeah. know, it's not going to yeah. fix everything if you just punish the Sox and the Astros. And then like, you know, the Yankees were doing it too. And yet there's just nothing happening there. Right. I um I thought it was interesting. I, I liked how the doc started out with. I mean, I, I don't like it necessarily, but I liked how it started out with the strike in '94 and how like there was a lot of like baseball felt like it taken steps back behind some of the other mm-hmm. sports. So it was huge that this '98 season came along and really kind of reinvigorated baseball. But it was hard for me not to see some of the parallels between what happened in '94 and what's kind of going on now with a shortened season they're trying to negotiate, as well as the future mm-hmm. CBA agreements. I don't know if you guys picked up on that too. Yeah, that but stuck out to yes. me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, like McGuire I even talked about he even said he's right. like, I think it went a long way towards bringing fans back to baseball. And it clearly did. And so you're like, because I know- Jose Canseco tweeted about it. in 2017. <laughs> he's like, he's like, we did so much to bring baseball back. That should count for something. And he like wrote Rob Manfred in the Ugh. description. And you're like, 
We were talking about Jose Canseco before this show. You started. are for a Jose Canseco was... tweet. Yeah, just yeah, yeah. shouts to Jose Canseco tweets. For you know, for maybe real. maybe he needs a maybe he needs a special that that might be yeah interesting. <laughs> but then again, maybe we don't need to go there. I, I that think would he's... be like a Joe Exotic baseball. I was gonna say oh like, like yeah, that's that's a good Netflix one. stock. <laughs> And then, Mark, and then Mark McGuire ends up buying his house afterwards yeah. or something. <laughs> he he straight up tweeted recently. I don't remember if it was that he said he wanted to be president of the United States or commissioner of baseball. But whichever oh, one it was, I was like, I'm pretty sure he said president. I, oh, yeah. I, don't know. I, I mean, I'm, either I'm sure one. He said either both one. at different I mean, times. Both. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily underqualified for either one at this point. <laughs> uh, right. But. I mean. I never thought someone would make Bud Selig look good. And then like, right, here wow. we are in 2020 and, and you're just like, yeah, that's yeah. The Manfred um, kind of discourse and deserved it. I haven't really like gotten into it much, but it's like, I remember when Bud Selig was the guy that everyone was like, this is the worst person. I think, right. Uh, aside from maybe Goodell and football, the most, one of the more maligned commissioners and Manfred kind of was like, no, 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 no. You know, I got this. I can beat. I can beat out. <laughs> I can beat out the hate for Bud Selig. And look, hold I don't, my beer. I, hold yeah, my overpriced right. MLB ballpark beer. Yeah, I'm not as hateful. I'm not yeah. as hateful of Rob Manfred as the rest of you guys are. I don't like him for for sure in a, in a lot of different ways. But well, uh, I mean, and also, I think I just kind of like tune out some things because uh, you know he does represent the owners to a degree, and you have to look at that perspective. Sure. But uh, it's right. to me the funniest thing is. People are almost forgetting about Bud Selig. (laughs) Just completely forgetting. They're like, like, even like, like, God, like Bud Selig still like not, but like historically seen as the guy that let steroids come into baseball, the home runs and all this. And obviously kind of held against him. But yeah, yeah. He, he, he extorted us. Um, He extorted, uh, basically told uh, Jim Crane, you can't buy the Astros if you don't move to the American league. And his daughter at the time was an executive with the Brewers and they were supposed to move Mm -hmm. and we were supposed to stay. And uh, Houston's never forgotten about that. So yeah, that was uh, yeah, we've, we've had our share of dislikes for uh, MLB commissioners. Yeah. Not the greatest, (laughs) but like, even like as, as, as bad as Bud Selick was, he's on the podium apologizing and taking responsibility for the steroids. Like he's saying like, Hey, we all take some responsibility. Rob Manfred's never going to do that. Like that's never going to be Rob Manfred's MO. Manfred called called the trophy a piece of metal. And I was like, okay, you, if you're the commissioner of baseball, (laughs) it's like, it's like someone who just hates children becoming a teacher. Yeah. And you're just like Manford was high. You don't respect the trophy of the World oh, yeah. Series in like what's supposed to be the national pastime and the greatest sport on earth. Like I just feel like everyone who runs baseball and like owns a baseball team should have to kind of like either show me your little league sh- picture or like right. a stub from your first <laughs> See, I totally I totally get that. I'm a teacher. First, I'm sorry. No, what were you saying, Brett? Oh, I'm saying I'm a teacher and I talk to coworkers all the time who, well, not all the time. I've had a couple coworkers in the past and they're like, I hate my kids. And I'm like, you probably shouldn't be teaching. <laughs> yeah. That's the exact I've opposite had... of what you should <laughs> yeah. say as a teacher. And I literally, a lady got mad at me and offended that I, that I expressed that to her. And she said, I can't believe you'd say that to me. I'm like, well, I can't believe you'd tell me you hate your kids. I'm like, yeah. I mean, we get paid to hang out with kids. I mean, who, who does that? You know? And so anyways, yeah, I had one of those in middle school here. I, I, I mean, I don't think I should out her on here, but uh, <laughs> it was just like, and we, we I called her it. Miss, Miss to mean, I'll say that. And her name rhymes with that. Uh, that's like what we called her. And I was like, I literally don't understand. It's a private school. You're supposed to be preaching beliefs and like this, like uh, uh, with religion and more morality, all that stuff. And here comes this team who just hates children. <laughs> What's going on here? Uh, it's, it's really true. The, with the Manfred thing. And I've noticed that a lot, the whole, like, do owners even like baseball? Um, right. And I feel like just in general, I feel like the big trend with sports owners in a lot of ways is when we talk about the best ones, it's not that they're like, like us, like crazy fanatics or whatever, but they at least care to a degree about the sport. Right. And it just, it always seems to happen that the people who at least care a little bit turn out to be like great owners, you know, in a lot of ways, at least for the team. Um, all takes know, is just really a little bit of a moral compass is honestly, yeah. is all, all yeah. takes. And a lot of these guys are, are pretty amoral. Well, it's like it's, the, it's the Royals, the, yeah. the, 
Yeah, well, it's like the guy from the Royals talking about how minor leaguers need to be appreciated. And, you're, and you're just you're just like, he gets it because mm-hmm. these owners, I mean, I feel like people just buy baseball, sports teams now for the clout of being like, I own a sports yeah. team because they right. don't even care about the status symbol. Yeah, like I somebody somebody propo- had like a conspiracy theory the other day that I was talking to. And I was like, it's not really a conspiracy theory. If it's true, they basically said that. MLB right now is just like a bubble because Manfred is making these owners tons and tons of money. And you see that because like the Royals were sold for one point. Yeah, definitely. I, um, that's for the Mets. I, uh, <laughs> the Mets. Oh my God. You know, they're not so- the game. This me and the bubble's going to burst and baseball's going to be like in total ruins. You know, these guys are just making their teams profitable, selling them and getting. Yeah. I mean, like it, it's, it's in insane. That. Like you see guys like uh, the Cardinals owner or chair because... build the wet. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Gabriel. Yeah. Well, I was, no, I just, you know, TV deals aren't going to be very interest. Like TVs aren't going to be very uh, companies aren't going to be very interested in having TV deals for a sport that nobody watches. Right. So I like can, eventually uh... in the near future, they're not going to be getting billion dollar deals. And then they're going to be like, wait, we probably should have focused on, making games affordable for fans so that right. kids would grow. Yeah. The luxurification of sports in a lot of ways, right. that's a word. And the blackouts and baseball specifically yeah. have been rough. They like blacked out all of Canada this year. <laughs> yeah. All yeah, of poor Canada. Sean. Poor Sean. The whole country. Wait, so <laughs> Shut up, Sean. Like, wait, you mean like Toronto fans? So like so anyone in Canada is blocked out from a blue Jays game. <laughs> Literally yeah, anyone on the, in Canada on, on the MLB at bad app. So like anything through MLB for streaming, that is if they have cable, yeah, streaming, streaming, obviously they'll be able to they've got games, like but. one of the most interesting teams ever assembled. I mean, they've got all the yeah. 1990s superstars right. sons playing, <laughs> and they just hit the hit a home run with their draft pick. I, I just that's the thing. Like, 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 like baseball almost has to have an outer body, an out of body experience, you know, mm-hmm. to come yeah. back. Yeah. And it's funny that this is, these are the conversations we're having. And, you know, I mean, I remember even, you know, being five years old, I, even I remember like growing up, there was a little bit, maybe, you know, maybe I'm in middle school maybe it's like Oh four or five or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel like I remember the tail ends of when baseball stories were still kind of like top news. Um, I still remember when um, Alex Rodriguez tested positive. I think it was, Oh, four that this happened. This happened a while ago, but like, it was like a big story. This is like number one in all the things like, this is crazy. Right? Like, I don't know if that really happens anymore. I mean, it's in any respect of baseball. I mean, honestly, you know, sorry, sorry, Brett, but like the Astros story is probably (laughs) like, just in terms of like a, a a talked about thing. (laughs) I feel like I'm so mean right now. It's okay. it's, yeah. it's just in terms of something that's the most talked about. I can't remember the last time baseball baseball was talked about yeah. to the degree it is right now. And it stinks that the previous record holder was probably steroids. Nothing to do with the actual play of the game. Meanwhile, basketball, it's like, uh, you know, this this one guy, Damian Lillard's three-point win uh, shot against the Thunder last year. More people, I bet you you could probably poll people who know that shot and that facial reaction from Damian Lillard than who know who won the world series last year, or maybe like two years ago, because it is a little bit recent, like uh, more people. I just think there's this thing about sports and I think baseball hasn't done a good job at kind of adding some flavor, adding some personality, marketing their stars better and getting rid of the dumb written rules. is a whole nother thing entirely. I mean, like my dad, I remember I asked him like, do you remember the Jose Bautista bat flip? He's like, of course. I think about right. it a lot. And then so, I'm like, do you remember who won the World Series that year? He's like, not a clue. <laughs> it's like that, so here's, that's unfortunately where it is. The Royals, so here's, by the way. So here's how here's yeah. how here's how baseball brings back more fans. They decide to take the steroid era players, uh, McGuire, Bonds, all these guys, Clemens, induct them into the Hall of Fame, like make them a Hall of Fame class going into 2021 and like get people like just you, you, you almost have to because Mike Trout hitting a golf ball over a net at top yeah. golf is not baseball is not how you grow your sport. Um, you know, um, Garrett Cole doing the cute little gas station attendant thing was, was a cute <laughs> Yankee thing. <laughs> and cute. I guess they loved it, but it was like, 
I mean, there's got to be more in the coffers than having to go back to 98 and Sosa and McGuire remembering how great it was. Oh, the good mm-hmm. old days. And, um, but what I loved about this, you know, to go back on to what we we're talking about is seeing right. that Mark McGuire still in baseball yeah. um, because yeah. he has a Audrey lot is. of reason. He has a lot of reason to not be um, in baseball. He, he could be resentful. Um, he could be a real, you know, jerk, a real, a real stick in the mud and everything that I've known about him. Cause I remember looking into him when he went through his divorce and all the, all the things mm-hmm. he struggled with. And he's always, he's always like, he, he has a foundation that he started for, um, abused children. Um, he had one of his friends growing up was in an abusive household. And when he, got that big contract in St. Louis. I think one or $2 million of his salary every year went to this foundation that he had. And so he was not just this home run guy or this roid boy that everybody kind of made him out to be at the end of his career. Cause he was really maligned for that. He was so much more. Um, And so, I mean, you probably could have done um, a couple more stories just on McGuire alone because his off the field impact was massive. And I love the fact that he's kept, this kind of even keel like he he sits back and even says you know i made a mistake i shouldn't have done it he goes it wasn't regulated but you know i i probably could have hit 62 without him i mean he said i've been hitting home runs my whole life and i loved that aspect of it yeah i thought that was probably the most intriguing part of that documentary when you're like talking about just like the parallels or not even the parallels but the opposite directions both mcguire and sosa go like sosa's exit from the cubs is pretty is pretty bad uh, he's like banned he, from wrigley he does it like he he literally the hasn't shown up in the since Cardinals he, Hall of Fame. Right. Sosa's like not allowed it. Sosa right has, field and you're kind of like eh. Sosa yeah. has not come back to any Cubs events. He's not been back to Wrigley Field since he left the clubhouse in 04. Um, he hasn't been to any Cubs like conventions. The Cubs won't talk about him. Like they tweeted a video today, uh, for like the first time ever I've seen Cubs Twitter acknowledge wow. Sammy Sosa existed. So it's crazy to see that. Whereas like Mark McGuire has been 100 like he left the game, but he never left the game. Whereas Sosa, like we saw random pictures of him yeah. with like weirdly lighter skin all of a sudden like it seemed like he was going through different things and like you just like i mean the one thing that came across for me to this documentary with sosa was that he very charismatic but very much was trying to entertain people he wanted to Mm -hmm. show people a good time that was 100 percent why he was he wanted home runs because he wanted people to have a good time at wrigley field which is is like such a weird aspect of it but then you like look at what kind of happened afterwards it's Pretty shitty how the Cubs have treated <laughs> Sammy Sosa. Yeah. Like he's the entire reason they and he did so and he, much for them. Yeah, a hundred percent. So it's, like, well, it's, it's the same thing that Sealy did, where he, you know, they benefited from the steroid era until they couldn't, and when they couldn't, they just threw them yeah. all under the bus. Oh, it's yeah. like Bud Sealy's not stupid. He, I mean, they knew that these guys were doing stuff, and I mean, right. like these guys had like Andro bottles in like behind them in their clubhouse lockers it was so like, funny to hear them talk about creatine in this it's like oh what? my god that's why you have to like the the um the bash bros thing that the lonely island guys did yeah they like, literally <laughs> talk about he's like he's like i left my steroids in el sobrante and he's like gotta get him gotta get him like they're rapping about like <laughs> sticking needles in their asses and stuff and they really like it's you know, like andros weren't creatine like these things weren't specifically banned for a long time the same way guys in the 70s were using like greenies and you can't go off of like 2020 rules for guys who played in the 90s like that's just not how it works you have to look at things in the context of the time and be like okay so sammy sosa has been shunned and vilified by the cubs for you know two decades now basically Mm -hmm. and he did so much for the cubs and it's it's like it's just such a scapegoat situation and it just drives me nuts. It's like you could be doing so much more for the game if you were embracing legends right. of the game and, just and come instead. Up- and we see it, we see it now too, you know, like they mm-hmm. just at every turn, I'm like, why is baseball its own worst enemy? Why? Like, look at what the, the NBA sets the perfect example for how to be a league and the commissioner, like Adam Silver. It's like, why doesn't Rob Manfred just copycat everything Adam Silver does? Like, it's so easy. You have, the perfect model right here. And you're just like, no, we're going to do this. Uh, and it's like, why? But like, literally, like literally, why is this what you're choosing to do? I don't get it. Yeah. It, it well, like, know, doesn't it, make sense. Yeah. And, and, you know, 
the thing about Sosa, and I do remember this, is, is he always deflected the spotlight. He, it was like, he was like, he's Batman, I'm Robin. Like he, he, I don't think he wanted the mantle because he saw the pressure McGuire was under. It yeah. was like, he really appreciated um, where he was. Um, this is, this is a weird kind of caveat. Um, a couple months ago on my personal podcast, I interviewed um, Tito Santana. He is the first Mexican American born WWF world wrestling champion. And he came up and wrestled with the rocks father. And he told me about how he rode the coattails of Hulk Hogan. And it was Hulk Hogan who helped raise him to his like, highest popularity in the mid eighties. And I remember Tito Santana, you know, he was amazing and he's like an eighth grade Spanish teacher now, but hearing Sammy Sosa talk about his role in the home run chase, um, because he was MVP that year, you know, Mark McGuire was an MVP, but he was okay with not having the record. Uh, Mark McGuire, he wanted that record. You know, he, he was in, I remember being, I remember I watched it that closely. I was pissed when Sammy Sosa had a 45 <laughs> minute lead on the home run race, that really bothered me. I'm like, no, not today, you know? And, but I just loved his humility. And he's like, Mark's the man, he's the King. And, and like, it, it's like, I'm, I'm a fan like him, but they both enjoyed it. And, and, and that to me is what baseball can bring that no other sport can bring is, is just, there's a camaraderie that happens between those, foul poles and those in those in those foul lines that you don't see anywhere else and i'm not saying guys in the nba and nfl and nhl don't have camaraderie but it's just it's unique and it's really hard to to replicate um you know it does really emulate real life you know and is there any other sport where you have the two best players home run race on the boards at different ballparks just like everyone in the country keeping track in the newspapers every single day you don't have that for yeah i uh translates the same way you know like three pointers in basketball there's no three-pointer race and and even touchdowns in the nfl like you're like, all right, they cropped of, you know, touchdowns, but the home run is the hardest thing to do. And they had that like on, you know, you have Mark McGuire, you have footage of Mark McGuire seeing the number get changed. And like the whole country is just watching with bated <laughs> breath, waking up and checking the numbers every single day. And it, it's just such a weird, like alternate universe that we're living in now watching that again. It was so surreal like to see kind of how that used to be like everyone hung on that including mark mcguire during a game yeah it was yeah crazy. yeah he was like looking over like and i guess that was one thing i didn't ever he's like see. oh damn he's like oh wow <laughs> oh and and you know to see larousse um talking talking about um you know larusa talk about how when he looked at mcguire he just it was something different um it was yeah. just the way he focused and 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 I do distinctly remember Mark McGuire in multiple interviews saying, like, I don't go up there choosing to hit a home run. And, you know, that's what a lot of people, when they when they throw the steroid era players under the bus, they don't concentrate on the guy that hit 218 and only seven home runs. Um, you still have to have the ability to hit the home run. Are you enhanced? Yes. Like, do you have this power that you would naturally – of course you do. Right. But at the same time, I do know that a lot of times these players were starting to work out so much that they took these because their bodies were getting older and breaking down. They needed to recover. It's the recovery and, process, Sam. Yeah. And I mean, McGuire you know, said that himself. He's like, he's like, this stuff helps me because I've been injured and like it heals mm-hmm. my body. And I mean, you saw that with a Red Sox pitcher last summer. Um, he's not mm-hmm. on the team anymore. He had the same procedure that Dustin Pedroia had, and he got a peed suspension for like 40 games or something because he had some kind of had a banned substance in it. And he's like, yeah, but this is the thing that it, I'm not using it to to like like I'm a knuckleball pitcher. Like I'm not using this to <laughs> to right. hit home runs. I'm using this because I had a serious invasive procedure and this will help me and a lot of these guys like they didn't even know like their trainers would just rub creams on their legs and then they'd test positive and they're like i've never you know 
stuck a needle in my butt. I've got like, you know, this trainer rubs cream on my, my shoulder and the cream's full of, you know, something. And, right. and that's an important, I feel like, you know, that kind of thing, like if MLB just controlled those things, it could actually be beneficial to the game. Yeah. yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I mean, outside of your head growing to a size eight and a half, like Barry Bonds did, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, there were there were those I mean, those guys. And if you look at the guys that were involved with that, a lot of them were late in their career. They weren't these up and coming. You know, you didn't see whenever I don't know if you remember Todd Zeal, who played with the Cardinals. Um, I met him at a card show one time. He was a real hot rookie coming up. And boy, he thought he was the. He thought he was God's gift to baseball. And mm-hmm. I mean, he had a, he had a couple good seasons, but you didn't see these young flashy stars. Like if someone like a Bryce Harper would have come up back then, it, it was, it was the older guys that were going to it. It wasn't some like phenomena that, that all these young players were using it. Now, I'm um, of course, Kurt Schilling said, you know, steroids is a problem when you pat someone on the butt after a game and they say, ow. You know, yeah, I so I I think there was a lot of really cool like one off quotes they had, especially at the beginning of this stock. And I think the one I took down was that uh, that records matter in baseball and that the fans wanted someone worthy of winning the home run record. And I thought that was interesting because I think we look back at it now. And like you said, there's a lot of people who would deem like Mark McGuire, maybe not worthy, which is ridiculous. But uh, obviously, like for all accounts and purposes, the guy was amazing on and off the field. He was a great person. And it was very clear in that documentary why people were cheering for McGuire even so. So like we talked about Brett, like saying, you know, he's the guy. Um, if you had to look back at the season now, I'll kind of go through here quickly with you guys. Um, what's the one record you're looking at now where like it would be like equivalent to 98 summer record being broken now in, in 2020? Huh. That's a good question. Yeah. Cause I can't, I mean like, like records I mean, are super important in baseball, but I can't think of one off the top of my head. That's like super. I mean like no one's going to hit 73 home runs. I don't well, I, th- <laughs> I, I think to me it has to it's be the streak. consecutive game streak hitting yeah. streak. I, it, that that has to be because I mean, I remember when Paul Molitor, um, yeah, you know, got close. I remember when Willie Tavares, um, with Willie the Tavares, Astros yeah. <laughs> was a rookie and he had like 20, like 24, 20. We actually interviewed him. He plays for a local minor league team here called the Sugarland Skeeters. We interviewed him for my uh, Facebook oh, no page. Yeah, um, I run a little cool little Stros for one one on Facebook. We got like, you know, 30 something thousand followers. And so we hooked up with Willie T and we asked him about that season. He was like, ah, you know, it was. It was, he goes, when I got to game 18, I, I started worrying about my bats, but to me, it's the hit streak. I mean, that to me would be the next, the next best thing to mm-hmm. Cal Ripken Jr. Breaking that, you know, that, that Ironman rookie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, um, the hitting streak, because unfortunately, I mean, you know, you guys are on the Twitters, you guys are on the internet yeah. whenever, you know, Chris Davis from, uh, 24. 13, 2014, whenever yeah. he had like the 55 home runs, everyone responding after that. What happens when you see the tweets that are like, oh, he just hit the 55 home runs. What are the first replies? Everyone's always just like steroids, 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 right. right? I feel like the hitting streak could benefit from not having that immediate response because yeah. people aren't going to associate just getting a single at least that minimum with steroids. There's not going to be that like banner of like, eh. because for me, what was interesting about the doc is, you know, I enjoyed it for, for the most part, but I also have to admit, it's just weird seeing these guys that, you know, maybe I wasn't from that time. So maybe it's even more cooler if you saw it live, Um, you know, me being just 10 years old after after just like not too long ago. Um, (laughs) It's just but like throughout my mind, the entire time is like, yeah, but I know how this this story doesn't end in the best way. It's like this weird like, all right, cool. Yeah. Hey, oh, it's a dinger. Yeah. But also, we know that these guys use performance enhancing drugs. And I actually... It's funny because a family friend of mine, yeah, a family, a family friend of mine actually posed the question to me one time and just actually made me rethink certain things about performance enhancing drugs. And he just asked me, he was like, what is a performance enhancing drug? And I was like, what are you talking about? Steroids and stuff like that. And then his basic like thought process, and it was, uh, it was, it was like the first take I ever heard from this guy, (laughs) Uh, really, really good family friend of ours. And he was like, are you enhancing your performance if you take Advil before a game to make your headache go away? And I was like, I don't, uh." it was like one of those things I had to like think about. I had to double take. And I was like, you basically, his theory was anything that makes you better for the game 
can't you technically, if you find a way into it, count that as performance enhancing, right? Well, now, like- I do think there are different classes, and I think steroids are mm-hmm. an extreme, but I do think that there is this, I don't know, that I feel like fans in general are becoming more, I don't know, they're not freaking out about steroids anymore. I mean, it just feels like there's this, not acceptance of it, but a... well. Like I don't you, even know the right word for it. You see guys like LeBron James like getting into like a hyperbaric chamber, and it's yeah. like, oh, maybe yeah. like performance enhancing drugs. Yeah, stuff they have in the medical trainer's office, like yeah. lasers and stuff that can make bruising go away. All this high tech, yeah. like high tech stuff they have. I mean, the other thing is, I like. Do you guys want to hear my little? I, I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory, but kind of my. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I, I heard conspiracy kind of theory. That. You don't have to say anymore. Yeah. Conspiracy theory. like, here I am. <laughs> yeah. um, Let's go. I I just kind of feel like, and we've been talking about scapegoats a little bit, but using things to enhance your performance is something that went on in baseball for a really long time. And in the 90s, it kind of reached this point. And I think it had to do with like a lot of other things in society in terms of like drug abuse and disease and like the uh, like the creation of the 24 hour news cycle, all of these things kind of coming together where people had all this information that they didn't used to have. And even the beginning of the Internet that people kind of heard the word drug or they like saw pills, they saw needles, all these things in baseball. And they were like, this is bad. And I feel like MLB, because we saw MLB leaning into like, see, like knew that these guys were using stuff and like they benefited off of it until it the way that we get ahead of this. All the come out MLB, like we preserve our reputation by completely flipping the switch and being like, these are drugs, they're terrible, they do this, they do that, it's a travesty, and like, we're done with it. And I I really think because, you know, this stuff was going on in baseball forever. And, you know, it, it obviously was, you know, the, the things that they were using were a lot more high tech or evolved than the greenies of the 70s. But I just feel like baseball kind of was like, all right, well, how do we spin this from a PR standpoint? Like we're going to go from marketing all of these guys and benefiting so much after the 94 situation, these guys brought it back, but then it kind of, I just feel like it kind of reached a point where baseball was like, okay, people don't seem happy about these performance enhancing drugs like they hear the word drug and they hear substance abuse and they hear this and they hear that and they don't like it and it's bad with children like it sets a bad example what we're gonna do is we're Mm -hmm, just gonna go completely the opposite direction and we're just gonna like you know run with the whole and, like, and baseball's always done that thing. with like yeah. with with information too. Like yeah, they're doing it now too. They've always leaked it. They've always tried to test it out with the public and <laughs> oh, see yeah. what happens because well, they, they right. want to know what 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 other one people are thinking because that's how they're going to make their opinion. But what were you saying, though, Brett? Well, yeah, just 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 to um, wrap that up. When you had this, I think it's really the first time ever that you had politicians grandstanding right. and wanting to create this moral dilemma that we have in this country that now 10 and 11 year olds are shooting up steroids in locker rooms because Mark McGuire and Barry Bonds and, and right. Rafael Palmero using steroids. And it was like, I was like, I, to this day, I couldn't tell you which senators or representatives were on those panels, but I just remember thinking in 1990 or whenever this happened, whenever these hearings were happening, I was like, mm-hmm who are these people? Like, like it was like when you inject politics into sports like that, I think that is when baseball lost control of it. I don't think baseball intended for that to happen, but it did. Um, I had friends that were in in the minor leagues at the time. And I can tell you for a fact that minor leagues were passed around like Tic Tacs. I mean, they were like, Hey man, um, work out a little bit harder. Boom. Take this. You'll feel better. You might hit the ball a little bit farther too. I mean, I mean, even now you got tons of minor leaguers get, suspended all the time like it's still something that's yeah. happening I, t- I mean i totally agree but i i think it i mean i don't think children should be using performance enhancing <laughs> drugs but like obviously well, my 11 year old should go without saying but <laughs> yeah. like well, my 11 year old's using steroids i'm joking but <laughs> i mean i i genuinely think that like if it hadn't trickled down if it hadn't trickled out of of baseball mm. the stuff was good for baseball 
Selig benefited off of it until he couldn't anymore. That's like exactly how it, how it happened. Yeah. Well, it was fun to go back to see these times, at least for someone like myself who like, I, I can say at least the 98 season was probably really pushed me into Cubs fandom. I like, I'm, I'm from Chicago. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love Mark McGuire. Nothing, nothing against Mark McGuire. One of the nicest dudes in baseball got the worst rep you could after being a guy that broke a massive record, but it was, it was fun to go back. The only thing that bothered me the most about this documentary really was the, there wasn't a ton of Sosa, which makes sense. It was about McGuire and I understand that, but it was still weird to see him like show up at the beginning of the stock and then not show him again for like 30 minutes. Um, and then have him in again later. But it also bothered me. There was like random, like live cuts of Wrigley and Bush current day from their stadiums yeah. while they're like August, 1998. Yeah. They slapped oh. like a, a caption on it. I was yeah, like, that, was a yeah. that guy's not an iPhone right now in the, in the corner. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like, no, that's 2015. Like, okay. <laughs> Anyways, but it was cool. Yeah, to it was go like, <laughs> exactly but it was it was cool to go back it was nice to 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 be able to kind of talk about some baseball a little bit hopefully we get closer to baseball but we'll have to see what happens with all that but for brett for hobby for gabrielle one last thing one last thing just uh shout out to the fact that uh uh todd mcfarlane was one of the right? first like spoken people on this <laughs> hashtag random. the nerds one yeah <laughs> hashtag the nerds one that's right he had the first word to say it was awesome he's done a bunch of spider-man stuff that's my dude so just shout out to time probably right because, uh, it was, i like that a lot of people probably figured out who that guy is just from that right? different industry just from this documentary yeah it's like, great uh yeah he actually made spawn but yeah i guess he, yeah, he actually made spawn uh but <laughs> brett brett any yeah. uh, last words before i let you go no, I just, I, I just would, I'm just super honored to be a part of this panel. Um, definitely, this is something that we need to find more excuses to do this. Um, and again, you know, from one of the biggest Smart McGuire fans, um, <laughs> I'll just, I'll just, I'll just end it with this, this paper right here that I got. That's it's, awesome. it's a, it's a St. Louis Dispatch paper, and awesome. I didn't know anybody in St. Louis. And I'll make this real quick. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, how do I get a paper? So I looked up the area code in the prefix, and then I used the number 98 for the year and 25 for Mark McGuire's number. And I dialed it. I was in seminary at the time, and I said, hey, I want a paper. Um, I don't live in St. Louis, blah, blah, blah. So the lady took my name and my name and address. A month later, I get the paper in the mail. They happened to be a preacher and his wife. They were the Reverend and Miss Smith. Now, I tried calling them back to thank them. They changed their number. Yeah. <laughs> but I have the paper from St. Louis That's because awesome these, these amazing – yeah, I mean, I've got a lot more detail with it. But, yeah, I just – um, I love the fact that to me, McGuire does have redeemable qualities in this, that they show that he's still part mm-hmm. of the game. He's a reasonable mm-hmm. person. He looks on regret with his, with his steroid use and all that stuff. It just really goes to show how human these guys are because to us, they are larger than life to us. They are our heroes and right. they're not without fault. And then Gabby, Gabrielle, uh, any parting shots us before we wrap up the show? Yeah, I mean, I felt the same way. Like, as somebody who grew up, you know, hearing, oh, well, these guys use performance-enhancing drugs and making it seem like they were, like, the villains of MLB in the 90s right. and early They seem 2000s. like bad guys. I remember thinking, like, these You make it out people. to be, like, these are... I mean, it, it's the whole... Like, my whole... my One of my biggest issues is a guy who uses performance-enhancing drugs is banned from the postseason for that year. Um, but a guy who is suspended for domestic assault is not yeah and because mlb considers performance enhancing drugs to be an on the field issue but beating your wife is apparently not as concerning to them and so for me like you know my whole life it was kind of like the worst thing you can do as a baseball player is to do is to use performance enhancing drugs like how Mm -hmm. dare you use performance enhancing drugs and i've really learned over the last few years and also just you know tonight it really drove it home literally that these were guys who were just trying to stay like trying to, I mean, obviously some of it was for sure to be the best and put yourself over the top. But a lot of it was like the real human reasons of like, I kill my body to play this game every single day. And I need, I like, this isn't banned and it helps me feel better. And all of a sudden, like they've spent years being treated as villains by people like me, because of this narrative that was framed around them. And that just really bums me out because 
you, you, these are things that should just be a part of baseball's history without like teaching people to demonize these guys. Mm. And with Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa, like Sammy Sosa's like, you know, I haven't been around the Cubs in a really long time. Like I can't go to Wrigley, but I have my family and my granddaughter. And then Mark McGuire's like, you know, teaching the future generations of baseball. And like, you're like, these are human beings. And yeah. They're not the guys who beat their wives. Like, give them right. a break. Come on. Like, it's cra- it's it's just crazy to me. Um, and also, it made me miss baseball. Like, it made me miss like real oh, baseball. You know, a thousand like, percent. I would have watched. Uh, I would watch a fifteen game losing streak of the Cubs right now in a heartbeat. Like, they were talking about the. <laughs> I'd watch Game oh, yeah. Seven of the O three ALCS against the Yankees Ugh. right now. Or <laughs> I would not watch Moonshot Game Seven Marin of the twenty nineteen World Series. I would yeah. not. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I watch 03 knowing what comes in 04. So oh, there you go. Like, at least you have the perspective. That's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to have the build up. You got to have the build up. You know, well, it's like, and then Aaron Boone becomes irrelevant and gets hired only for that walk-off home run. And right. David Ortiz. <laughs> and David Ortiz. And you mean he's no not a good coaching manager? or managerial experience. Like, he's done a pretty good job. Got hired There's for savages in the box. There's yes. savages, man. I love when they chant it, we I want like Boston. Love that. Like, I we just want like Boston. I'm like, yeah, you got 16 runs in your own ballpark scored by Boston, but uh, I'm glad you <laughs> wanted us. You got us. <laughs> well, before we jump on hitting the Yankees, why don't we wrap up the show? <laughs> <laughs> Guys, I appreciate you coming on. Why don't we for wrap up, just everyone shout out where they can uh, find your podcast and where they can follow you on Twitter. Okay, they can uh, find me at H-Town Wheelhouse on Twitter, and you can find me at Stroh's 4 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, where we are always positive, always Stroh's. Go ahead, Javi. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, good idea. I should go. Um, <laughs> You're fine. <laughs> uh, you can find, um, you can ch- check out Lockdown Padres. It's at LO underscore Padres on Twitter. I tweet some good memes from there every now and then. Really good stuff. Uh, Gabrielle has actually been on the podcast before. We, we've been talking a lot of sports movies and sports cool. writing stuff. So you guys should definitely check, check that out. And uh, my personal Twitter, which is at Javapeno. Javipeno, as I like to pronounce it sometimes, it's J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. It's uh, a picture of an anime kid. I promise uh, I know that for some reason, a lot of people who have anime avatars on Twitter are like totally awful people who are just the biggest <laughs> trolls. I promise I'm not like one of those people. I do tweet a lot of weird stuff, though. I'm not going to lie. But still, uh, check me out there, on there and uh, look forward to new episodes. A lot of fun stuff coming out. And then go ahead and finish up here, Gabriel. Uh, so you can follow, follow me. My personal on Twitter is at GFSTARR1. You can follow Locked on Red Sox at LO underscore Red Sox and Girl at the Game is at Girl at the Game. Um, so I have that podcast in addition to Locked on Red Sox and the website's got, you know, tons of articles and fun stuff and rants about Rob Manfred and all that kind of thing. Well, I'll definitely have to check that out. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, and you can follow you can follow Locked on Cubs on Twitter at Locked on Cubs. You can follow me on Twitter at John R. Sears. Uh, I write for NBC and Fan Sided and hopefully get to write about baseball soon. Um, Kind of not really happening right now. So if you're looking you know, for things to watch on Netflix, I you know I did. I did not say locked on Astros is where you can also oh. find me. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> my bad. I'm not trying to distance myself from the team at all. I promise you. I love the Astros, no matter what. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. I appreciate you guys being on the panel. It was great to talk about this. Hopefully, we've got more baseball relevant stuff to do it again soon. But uh, until then, thanks for sticking around, fans. Hopefully. Fingers crossed. It sounds like things might be coming hopefully soon. Hopefully it's favorable for the players. Uh, at the very least, something like baseball coming. So got that. To look yeah. cool. So <laughs> pay those players, man. That's right. Pay them.